Welcome back. This is John Cronin in Invent Anything. In episode four here, we'll talk about types of creativity too, associative thinking. The topics here that we'll talk about is associative thinking in terms of part one, which I give numerous examples, and then part two, where I give some training and then some tools, and then we'll wrap up. started as an episode three, we talked about the audiences, certainly the audience of people that like to facilitate groups while you're in the right place. How about the audience of uh, where you're individuals and you want to do certain things on your own? These are very useful tools to sit by yourself on your own. Also, I talked about that secret facilitator that could essentially kind of work these tools in, in this this kind of thinking and in conversation to get people to be very creative uh, without even uh, someone knowing that that's what you're doing. But here, clearly, there's some new audience possibilities here. This is great fun for kids. Uh, It can be almost turned into games. It's also great for teachers who are trying to teach kids to be more creative. It's also great for inventors and engineers. Uh, This is where I learned the trade of associative thinking to come up with many inventions. This is a great tool for folks in marketing or for anyone, really, that is looking for new ideas. So what is associative thinking? Well, the basic idea here is to combine two or more elements together at once to produce a final new element. When I'm talking about two or more elements, we'll talk about how it could be elements that are objects or elements that are uh, data or elements that are problems, etc. But we'll make it easy and we'll just start with objects. It's the basis for all new idea generation. It works just the way your brain does uh, as a neural network, combining two different things, which are usually occurring in your unconscious. And then your conscious when it triggers on an idea of your unconscious, brings it forward. This is the basis for all creative thinking. And what we'll find is that in order to get higher novelty, that is, as we talked about before, more wild ideas, you need to combine two or more things together where one of those things is very different from a domain perspective. So let's get into it. Part one examples. Let's take an ordinary cardboard box. And what I'd like to do is I'd like to have you Put this podcast on pause and maybe give yourself 30 seconds by your watch. And while it's on pause, think about a cardboard box, but just come up with improvements that you can think about for a cardboard box. And then come back and we'll get back into this, providing some different examples that you might consider. Okay, pause. Well, welcome back. So how many ideas did you come up with to improve the cardboard box? In 30 seconds, if you had done five or six, I would think that would be pretty good. If you got something like five or to 10 or even more, that'd be excellent. Uh, by practicing associative thinking techniques, you can improve your quote fluency, that is the number of ideas per unit time, more and more and more. Up to what's sort of practical to pull out ideas every couple of seconds might not be possible, but certainly every four or five seconds. Well, why don't we try it? Suppose and I asked, Can we combine our cardboard box with a knife? So let's go off and sort of think about that. And let's just say we came back and someone says, I have it, John. Why don't we have a box cutter? Well, that's kind of neat. I mean, putting together a box and a knife cut, your box cutter, but that's really association of words. And you really didn't do what I asked, which is to improve the cardboard box. Because box cutter is really an association 
It doesn't approve the cardboard box. So let's try it again. Cardboard box and knife. But now we want to improve the cardboard box. So let's just say that someone comes up with, I got it. John, how about a box with some cutout handles? That's really kind of interesting. And that certainly is improving a cardboard box using an association of a knife, which is used to cut. However, as we understand, cutouts for boxes for handles are already known. So what if I asked one more time, let's improve that cardboard box using the object of the knife, but let's see if we can get it to be more creative. So in having some new associations, cardboard box and knife, why don't you try it for a second? How would you improve a box with a knife to come up with something that maybe you hadn't seen before? So let's just try it again for about 30 seconds. Let's just put this on pause and we'll come back. Go for it. Well, welcome back. How'd you do? A lot of people would say, you know, John, I think it's a little bit easier for me to improve a cardboard box if I had the knife versus just telling me generically to improve a cardboard box. And we explored that before with uh, divergent thinking and convergent thinking, where if you give someone more definition behind what you're after, they tend to do better up until the point where you teach them how. So here we go. I'm going to improve the cardboard box with the knife. And what I'm going to do is, when I've thought about it, I'm going to have a cardboard box that comes with a unit of tape. And the tape is just long enough to uh, be used to, uh, after the box is folded and packed uh, and the flaps are down, you can pull this tape off of a cellophane off the side of the box and then use it to basically seal the box. I mean, aren't we always looking for tape to seal these boxes? Wouldn't it be nice when you buy these boxes and unfold them and get them ready that it'd be a, a tape attached to the box that you could automatically use to fashion and seal the box. Well, that's certainly improving the cardboard box, isn't it? It takes the object of the knife and it takes uh, the, bo the box and puts them together. We know we can make it. You might say, hey, John, is that an invention? I don't know. I guess I'd have to search the prior art, but I certainly haven't seen it before. Well, what's the trick here? How did we do it? How, how did we take that knife and cardboard box and, and come up with this sort of uh, attachment to the box that's predefined tape. The secret here is actually watching what the human mind is doing as it's associating. So when I'm associating knife, I'm actually going one level deeper. I'm thinking about the attributes of the knife. And what, what I did is I started thinking about a knife and then I thought about, you know, you know, stabbing something with a knife. And then I thought about the handle of the knife. And then I thought an attribute of throwing knives. I just recently invested in a pair of throwing knives. But also I started thinking about, you know, knives have holders. And holders kind of triggered me to say, well, I want to hold the box better. Maybe there's a way to kind of pre-fashion holders. And there we go. I have my pre-fashioned tape on the side of the box. So cardboard box and knife with the attribute of uh, holder for a knife got me to that pre-adhered tape. Well, let's try it one more time. Cardboard box and knife and just let's keep going. So I, as, as I thought about it, I thought about sharpening a knife, and that didn't do anything for me. And then I thought about, you know what, a knife is dangerous. And then once again, I thought, well, you know, I could use dangerous to improve the box. People do ship things that are fragile or that are dangerous, and they're always fishing around for those labels, right? So why not have a cardboard box come with a modicum of different stickers that are used based upon when you're shipping? And so a box may cost a dollar, a dollar and a half to make and to build, but these stickers are, are practically throwaways. So why don't we do that to quote approve the box? Well, that's really kind of cool now. 
I have a box that has tape on it and stickers. But suppose that I want to take it one more step. Say, let's get out of this direction of adding stickers to the box and let's come up with something different. And let's continue using the knife. Okay, here we go again. I have the knife and I start thinking about this and I know that I have to clean my knife after dinner, after use. Well, that didn't do anything for me. In looking at the knife, I started to recognize this good knives have the shank in the blade so that it's stronger. So I started thinking, what could I put inside the box to make it stronger? And I immediately thought of, could there be a way to have this box also come with some cardboard that can be fashioned like a honeycomb where needed uh, so that you can make reinforcement beams. So now I have a cardboard box. You've seen the banker boxes, right? Where you build the box and have a top. Well, this is a box that has maybe some extra cardboard to build an I-beam or two to make it even more stronger in the center. So now we have something here that's very useful, can actually be done. And once again, I'm using the knife. Well, think about it. Cardboard box, I can associate it with how many random objects? Millions? And how, how many attributes of those random objects? Thousands? Maybe hundreds? So literally, don't I have an infinite amount of new cardboard boxes? Well, given what the market would be and all the problems I have to solve, if you're in the business of making cardboard boxes and new products, this associative thinking tool is certainly for you. But supposing I wanted to enhance the novelty of these ideas. In other words, go beyond some of the ideas that I've shown you here today. Supposing I want to enhance the novelty. Well, one way to do this, as I mentioned earlier, is to pick something that's very different than what we're uh, in the domain. And so I'm going to pick a, a flower. And a flower is very different than a cardboard box. And there's many attributes of a flower. So if I want to get to be higher novelty and wilder, I can start generating ideas for a cardboard box that are very highly novel and even wild. And I won't go through exercises here of all the different things that I've done to associate, but if you want to have more enhanced novelty, you pick further random objects that are very away from the domain. You can also direct the novelty of associative thinking. Supposing you have the cardboard box, but you want to have method inventions. So method inventions are ways to make the box or handling the box or packing the box, or even how do you dispose of the box? So by having method elements, if you will, we can direct the associations to methods. Supposing I want to go in reverse, supposing I was to show you a box and then I said, you know, this box is the kind of box that Lowe's has that kind of has a box inside of a box and they go in and out, meant for storage. And I asked you, what do you think the person was thinking about in order to create that box? Of course, one knows about drawers and doors going in and out. So maybe the first time this was developed, that uh, sort of box in a box, Maybe it was done because the person had immediately thought about the drawer opening and closing. Pretty simple, but the point is that you could take any idea that's new and reverse it and likely get to the decomposition of what the associative element was. I mean, there had to be one, right? So what if I said, is there anything that I can associate? And the answer is, well, yes. But if I try to associate a flower with a knife, in other words, improve a flower, well, that's pretty difficult to improve things in nature. I mean, no matter what, improving a flower to get a better flower with knives could lead you in some directions, but generally it's probably more futuristic when we start thinking about genetic engineering, etc. So man-made things are kind of much easier to associate with. Things that are made in nature are much more difficult, if not impossible. So it's kind of a facilitator's note. So let's get into just some thinking about uh, and some training on some different tools. So. I talked about associating two objects, right? So maybe you associate a microscope with a match and that association to you means 
having a different size match for a cigar versus a cigarette because you started thinking about the microscope going in and out of magnification. Suppose and I said, can we associate two objects to get a new problem? So I have a microscope and a match, and maybe the problem that resulted would be how to analyze the quality of matches, because certainly microscopes could do that. So you see, I have two objects, but I can associate it not just to get a new object, but I can associate it to get a new problem. Suppose and I want to associate a problem with some data. Suppose that I have kids in school that are tardy, and the data that I have says that the bells always ring on time. So maybe what I can do is ring the bell 10 minutes before with a special ring and then have the final bell. So that's associating a problem with a piece of data to get a new idea. How about associating a problem with an object to get a new piece of data? Basically, I could say how to improve school tardiness and maybe use a brick. And maybe the associative problem with that object of the brick tells me that I can get data that shows that the teachers are letting tardiness slip. So you can see how we can kind of take anything like a problem or a piece of data or ideas or solution or objects or even criteria like will it be this and will it be that and associate it with problems or data or ideas, solutions, objects or criteria. I literally can associate a problem with a solution, an object with a piece of data, and as with a cardboard box and the knife, objects with objects. So boy, that's pretty powerful, isn't it? And as I mentioned before, domains that are very close do not produce novelty. So if I try to link, uh, say, a microscope, a big uh, microscope maybe for using for electronics and a microscope for biological slides, it's difficult to get more ideas out. Uh, but if I said, what if we linked a microscope with a heart? Well, a heart is very, very different, very different, and one can associate that and get very novel different directions for a microscope. So let's talk about some tools. There's a tool called Go Fish, number one, visually identifying relationships, number two, Kinesthetically identifying relationships, number three. Audibly identifying relationships, number four. And then five, six, and seven are point of view, metaphor mapping, and morphological matrix. There are many tools for associative thinking, but I've kind of organized them in terms of one that is fun, go fish. And then knowing the types of learners people are, visually, kinesthetic, or audibly, arrange those tools in action. And then use a class of tools which are based upon how you think through a metaphor or point of view. So let's go fish tool number one. How is this played? Well, let's just say that we want to improve that box. The way it's played is a person throws out a random object to a friend and says, okay, Bob, let's see what you can do with the knife to make the box improved. And uh, Mike is given some time to think about it, but if he can't answer in 30 seconds, then what happens is then the person who started the associative object gets to go again. So it's just like playing fish where you're pulling cards in and out. Do you have a seven? Do you have a three? Can you make this association on the knife? Now, what happens in this game, which is really kind of fun, is that people associate different things for themselves, and they'll try to pick what they think is an element that's very hard. So I could pick an element that I thought was hard for me, but find when I give you that association that you could do it very rapidly. Because what one person can associate very easily or very difficult doesn't necessarily mean that the other person is going to find the same level of ease or difficulty. It's critical in this Go Fish to really make sure you do this and give everybody the same amount of time. Note is that this is a very fun tool. It's easy to do. Kids love it. The next one is visual identifying relationships. We talked earlier in episode three that there are about 60, 70% of the people are visual learners. And so what we do is we take a, a picture. Say it's a picture of a bridge. And the bridge is like the, the bridge over the San Francisco Bay. It has you know pylons and uh, it has cables and it has a road and it's curved and... It's in the sunset, and I give you a picture of that. 
and I ask you to take that picture and come up with new ideas, say for a box, as we did before. So those pictures provide us attributes and the attributes supply us with all that we need to know to improve the box or improve the situation. But it turns out when you're looking at the picture, there's a lot more depth. When we did the association for the box and, and the knife, uh, if you could see the knife, it would be better. Uh, and so therefore, and having different pictures of knives would have been even better again. If, if you have very different pictures, it leads to very different levels of novelty. And if you have those old National Geographics hanging around, this is just a great thing to use when you're working on a problem. Just open up a National Geographic magazine, look at a picture, and then force yourself to write down a number of attributes, and then all of a sudden the ideas will start flowing. The next one is associative thinking kinesthetically. And this is where you actually give uh, people toys or give them physical objects to play with. It turns out that 10 to 12% of the people are kinesthetic learners, so why not? Why not have Lego blocks and gears and screws? Uh, even that knife we had, if it was safe, uh, to kind of hold it and, and use it. And what you do is you take an object and then think about attributes of that object and then come up with those associations. Once again, this associative thinking tool, kinesthetically identifying relationships, is really designed for those people that are more kinesthetic. And you know if you're a kinesthetic person, you probably have, you love martial arts or you really like to work out or you're a dancer, etc. that you're, you're really kind of kinesthetically oriented. So the next tool is audibly identifying relationships. This might be a little bit weird, but there are uh, percentages of people that really learn more from what they hear than what they see and what they touch. So number four, audio, audibly identifying relationships, says that you're working on a problem. You want to improve that box somehow. And all of a sudden we play snippets of music, no more than say 20 to 30 seconds. And snippets of music will actually start to have a person start to go into their unconscious a bit and associate. So whether it's an Elvis Presley snippet or a classical piece snippet, doesn't really matter. But when you're working on a problem and you play a snip of music, what will happen is you'll, you'll end up generating lots of new ideas. And I can remember doing this with groups and just being totally surprised watching some people struggle with visual identifying relationships or kinesthetically identifying relationships, showing them a picture or giving them some toys to play with to, to really come up with new ideas without much progress. And as soon as I switched over to audibly identifying relationships, it was amazing to me uh, how some people just lit up and came up with many new ideas. By the way, it might be worth for you to do some pictures and some toys uh, and some objects and some snippets to try to find out what, which is the best associative thinking tool for you. So let's go into number five, points of view. Uh, I think one could easily take on the point of view of an ant or an alien or a plumber. Uh, and by taking on those points of views, and then once again, trying to improve the box, you could think about improving the box as if you're an ant. And so as you're walking around the box, you're kind of feeling what the box looks like, and you might have ideas that are related to improving the surface of the box, etc. Or if you're a plumber, you might start thinking about where things leak, etc. And you might start thinking about a box that uh, might be more or less leak-proof. So by using a point of view, a profession, if you will, you can improve much, pretty much anything through associative thinking. Number six is metaphor mapping. Metaphor mapping takes that profession to the next step. So we talk about the metaphor in episode three about a plumber and how he could go through all the parts about finding the leak and then testing the leak and then taking the system apart and depressurizing the system and then replacing the part, repressurizing the system and doing a leak check and all that part of a metaphor of a leak for a plumber. 
And now we can use that entire metaphor for associative thinking to improve our box. So as one explores a metaphor, in essence, they become attributes, uh, just like our, our knife had many attributes. And finally, a more complicated one, and to sort of close with this tool number seven called morphological matrix, Morphological matrix is nothing more than doing associative thinking across several categories. So suppose that if I wanted to make a piece of new furniture and I said, okay, I'm going to deal with shapes and I'm going to list some shapes like oval, square, triangle, etc. And I'm going to deal with kinds of furniture like chairs or beds or tables. And I'm going to try to deal with types of materials, if you would, wood or plastic or cork, and maybe some functions of the uh, furniture, maybe a sleeping function or a storing function or a cooking function, and maybe different styles, maybe a shaker style or Italian style or a Western style. And by simply going through this matrix and sort of picking one from each category, you start to develop a picture of, of a new association. Like what about a circular wood table that stores tableware in the Italian style? So you see by having different categories and by choosing different elements from different categories, one can develop an overall picture. I said it's more complex, but it's actually kind of almost derivative that you're creating concepts by just linking randomly things from one group to the next, to the next, to the next. By the way, this is a great use for computer programs for this. So let's wrap up. What did we do? We talked about associative thinking, uh, that we can combine two or more objects together to get a new object. We went to the next step that says it's more than objects, right? You can link an object with a piece of data to get a problem, or you can link two problems to get a new piece of data. We just gave examples early on of all the objects to produce with new objects to get a new object. Uh, and in these many quick examples, we talked about some interesting things, like could you reverse out the association that somebody else did? Or can you improve Mother Nature, which we said is going to be very difficult. We went through seven different associative thinking tools, uh, and the idea there was to try to give you kind of some random tools that are in some order, go fish, which is kind of fun, visual identifying relationships, kinesthetically identifying relationships, audibly identifying relationships, what type of learner are you? And then we talked about points of view and metaphor mapping and morphological matrix, ending with the morphological matrix being kind of almost cutting into, you know, developing full concepts through associative thinking. So there we go. That's associative thinking. I hope that you practice it. I hope that you use it. To me, it was really fun when I got up this morning thinking about creating this box and all these new things that I could do with it. So what's coming up in episode five? Continuous thinking. I'm going to talk about what it is, why it was developed, and once again, some tools and techniques underneath this. After we get through continuous thinking, we'll have completed these sort of creative thinking uh, modules of episode two, three, four, five. And by doing that, we'll have equipped ourselves to go forward because continuous thinking and continuous improvement thinking allows us to take something and make it really work. I think we could have said that the box with the predefined tape is easy to make it work. You can see how to make it work. Maybe it has to have a double-sided stick tape. I don't know. Or maybe it needs some cellophane to stick to the box uh, and then be pulled away from the box to then be used on the box. So maybe there's improvements there. But as things get to be more complicated, we need a system by which we can take ideas to continuously improve them. And so until next time, this is John Cronin from Invent Anything. See you later.